This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Friday, December 27th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. I'm Connor Tapp, and today, the day's college football news is the college football playoff semifinals set to take place on Saturday evening. Trey Scott is here to help me preview the Peach and Fiesta Bowls. So, Trey, things started off on Saturday evening at 4 p.m. Eastern with LSU and Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. What, what, are, what are you kind of thinking heading into this one? Live from our city, live from Atlanta. I, so LSU opened as a 10-point favorite. That's 13.5 now. I think what's standing out here is the sort of like injury report, uh, game transaction report going on. LSU running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire with a hamstring is questionable. He did not practice on Christmas Day. Even if he does practice the rest of the week, as we record this on, on a Thursday afternoon, uh, Coach O said at best he's questionable. Mm. If, if, if he can play, he'll try to play. He's obviously an important piece. He, like, his rushing yards, Connor, like, you know, not near the top of the national leaderboard, but he's been massive for LSU in every close game mm-hmm. they've had. Yep. He was huge against Texas, huge against Alabama, Florida, Auburn. He, that's a big piece for them. They've got the, the three backups behind him are, are rather unproven, Chris Curry, Tyrion Davis-Price and John Emery Jr. So I think LSU is just sort of watching and waiting to see if Edwards Alaire is going to play. And I think there's an argument that it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like Joe Burrow, those receivers. But this is a big one. And then, and then you look on the OU side. We've talked about it. They've got those suspensions. They've got a running back of their own suspended. Ramondre Stevenson, their backup running back. They've got their best pass rusher, pass rusher suspended, Ronnie Perkins. Uh, they've got their starting safety out for the game with a broken collarbone, Deller and Turner Yell. So this game sort of seems to be more about who's not playing, and I think that's probably why the matchups or the 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 Vegas line has moved up. Yeah, that I mean, thirteen and a half is still a massive, massive spread, and when you think about missing one player, uh, I mean. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a very good running back. I don't think there's a 14-point difference uh, between him being on the field and him not being on the field. I, I kind of think, kind of, kind of touching on going off of what you were bringing up is that he has been so big in close games, coming up with those clutch plays to keep the chains moving, and so I, I think his pres- or his absence will be felt most if LSU gets in trouble or in, or is like trying to trying to win it late then you'll really notice it but i mean even with him expected to be out lsu is still a much better team still has a lot going for it and there are there are have been games this year where lsu has been basically content to kind of give up on the running game like the texas game they didn't 
neither team in that game really tried to run the ball after a certain point. And so there there are plenty of weapons in the in the receiving game for LSU, obviously. I mean, three different wideouts with ten touchdowns. Um and so I think I think they'll be fine unless it's close. But he is just so key in uh extending those drives and picking up those big plays that if if they are behind, you know, I, I, I think he'll his absence will be felt. Yeah, I mean, he's a pass catching threat too. Nine catches, seventy seven yards, and a touchdown against Alabama. It's it, it, if I'm Ed Orgeron, I might be tempted to hold him out for for Ohio State versus Clemson. But we know that you can't go into a game thinking like that. Like that's that's how that's how you lose is you know playing for the next game. I wonder though, like if LSU, how seriously as a of a threat LSU is taking Oklahoma. This Oklahoma uh-huh. team. I mean, we started the season thinking, okay, this might be the most dangerous OU team yet because Jalen Hurts was doing Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray things, and their defense was playing so much better. And their defense is so much better. It's so much more improved. And we'll dive into the matchup. I think the big the matchup of the game is their star middle linebacker, Kenneth Murray, uh, 95 tackles, 16 for loss this year, You know, doing what he needs to do against Joe Burrow, whether that's defending the pass or spying him or – you know, just sort of matching him as a counterpart. But Oklahoma in the last half of the season hasn't impressed me at all. I think it started in the Texas game, and I was there in Dallas, and I remember walking away being like, okay, whoa. Like, Oklahoma has a defense, and this is this is like a frightening new version of the Sooners. But the, the turnovers that Jalen Hurts started to have in mid-October haven't gotten any better. And... I just think this team is so vulnerable to a, either getting blown out by LSU or just like not ever really having enough juice to get over the hump. I I, I talked in listing out these matchups, like I have Joe Burrow versus Kenneth Murray. I also sort of sarcastically put Jalen Hurts versus the pigskin. Like Jalen Hurts has seven interceptions, six fumbles. You're playing the worst possible opponent if you're if you're, you know, prone to turning the ball over because LSU will absolutely murder you if you give them extra possessions. Yeah, I I think a pretty uh, key stat here that I was able to dig up is Oklahoma's first eight games, they ran the ball 32 times per game. Their last five, and it starts with after the Kansas State loss, they're running it 50 times per game. So I think Lincoln Riley has kind of, over the course of the season, as you were saying, we early on we had these expectations of, oh man, Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley, this is going to be such an incredibly potent combination. But I think what we found is that Jalen Hurts is a lot more limited, and a lot of that has to do with how loose he is at times with the football. And so it seems like they're kind of moving things to kind of mask his flaws, highlight his strengths. And I, I, I would. You said you were not impressed at all with Oklahoma during the backstretch of the season. I think, I think post Kansas State, I, I mean, their upside as it like their ceiling is lower, but I also feel like their floor in any given game has risen quite a bit because they have gone a little bit safer and conservative. Sure, no, their and their defense is so much better. Uh, you know, forty-one nationally this year in yards per play compared to uh, 102 uh, last year. But I, I, I agree, Connor. Like I, Oklahoma is playing, and maybe throw out the Big 12 title game for a second. 
is playing well and turnovers were killing it. And that's the only reason OU was ever down in the regular season game to Baylor 28-3 was Jalen Hurts' turnovers. It's the only reason Oklahoma ever really had to hang on to put TCU away uh, in the second-to-last game of the season. But the Big 12 title game in which Oklahoma won in overtime 30-23 to against a Baylor team that eventually ended up on its third-string quarterback was extremely concerning. If you look at the box score, I don't know if you'd find like massive flaws with Jalen Hurts' day, 17 for 24, 287, touchdown to pick, ran it for 38 yards, and also had a fumble. But it was very clear that the system of coaching quarterback was not working. And Lincoln Riley did not trust Jalen Hurts that day against Baylor. They got so conservative in the red zone. Third and, third and goal from the 8 or from the 10, and it's a QB draw. He and I don't blame Lincoln Riley at all. Jalen Hurts bizarrely went from master of of you know the safe play at Alabama to just almost a liability with the football. And so I wonder. And the only way Oklahoma is going to beat LSU is if Oklahoma is running or letting it rip the way that we're used to under Lincoln Riley. That's my opinion, and I agree. Yes. The run game has been big for OU, but they're down to one healthy running back, uh, Kennedy Brooks, and he's not even that healthy. So they needed to establish the run, yes, but that, Jalen Hurts also has to be the guy he was in the first half of the season, and he has to be more Kyler or Baker than he has, frankly, been Jalen or uh, you know an average quarterback. So in the last few weeks, have those two gotten on the same page? Does Lincoln Riley trust Jalen Hurts? Does Jalen Hurts trust Lincoln Riley? And Jalen Hurts has been such an interesting character over the last years, sort of, you know, he's moved on to Oklahoma and put Alabama in the, in the back burner. He's, he's got a chip on his shoulder and I, I'm, you know, I've been reading a few profiles about him. Ivan Mazel had one at ESPN and Chris Hummer at 24 sevens written a few. Like it's, it's taken Jalen. It takes Jalen a long time to warm up to people. And Lincoln Riley talked about that in the ESPN piece where he's like, look, we don't have three years to get this figured out. Like I need to know now what's not working. So, have the last few weeks been good enough for those two? Because they have to be perfect against LSU. Yeah, I th- I'm, this is going to sound like I'm stating the obvious, but thinking back to the Texas-LSU game and thinking, like, man, so a Texas team that turned out to be rather mediocre ended up giving LSU a fight. And it's, I mean, it's really because or, or a big key in that was that Texas never really got massively behind in that game and and again this is going to sound like stating the obvious but like on their Oklahoma's first couple of drives like they need to come out and get maximum points because if if they get behind and you've got Jalen Hurts trying to force stuff into a LSU secondary I really do not like that for Oklahoma um so like I mean they just need to have some breaks go their way early and hope that the game with the weirdly shaped ball uh, produces some lucky breaks for them late. I guess it's, it's gonna be a tough. This is gonna be a tough game for Jalen Hurts because LSU's defense is not perfect. They're ranked in the twenties, but th- we know they have talent. We know that we know they can s- figure out a way to match up with CD Lamb. And if it's Derek Stingley versus CD Lamb, sign me the heck up because that's two top ten picks going at each other. But Jalen Hurts is not going to be able to, you know, run over Grant Delpit or elude Kalevon Chison. Like th- these are not, and I am going to be mad at myself, Amy, for saying this because I'm a Big Twelve guy. Like these are not Big Twelve defenders. These are grown men. 
So Jalen's going to have to be pretty perfect with the football because I don't know if he's going to be if his running ability is going to be there. So I I don't know if LSU covers 13 and a half. I think LSU wins kind of comfortably. I'm setting the stage for a much better game at night, but I'm a little hesitant about Oklahoma really showing up too well today or Saturday. Yeah, one other thing I, I want to mention here is that I, I think maybe one vulnerability for LSU on offense is they give up quite a few sacks. You know, that is, they do attempt a lot of passes, but they have given up 29 sacks. That's 92nd in the country. And Oklahoma's defense is like kind of average, mediocre. Uh, but one thing they are pretty good at is getting after the quarterback. However, Ronnie Perkins, their sack leader, is out. So where does that leave us? Does Can somebody step up and replace his production, which counts for about a fifth of uh, Oklahoma sacks? If so, you know, I mean, this is likely to be a game where it's – I mean, you, you need some explosive plays on defense to either end an LSU drive or turn them over to, to give your – offense uh, a chance to be in a situation where it does not have to be absolutely perfect um so that, that'll be interesting to see i guess i i guess i've i i've decided i have one more thing i want to say okay <laughs> jalen hurts and just talked about him being sort of a like a football cyborg yeah is an intense kind of a weird strange cat jalen hurts losing the heisman to joe burrow i'm not going to be like oh you know that's the reason oklahoma could win is because jalen hurts motivated because obviously Joe Burrow is motivated, but there's a history of the Heisman runner-up having a better day in a big game or a national title or a BCS bowl game than the Heisman winner. There's a history if if that's you know how you're wired to be good. So it, maybe it's possible Jalen Hurts saves his very best game as a Sooner for last. All right, we are going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we've got Clemson and Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the College Football Daily. Trey, it is time to talk about Clemson and Ohio State and what, I mean, who knows what we'll get, what combination of teams we'll get in the title game, but in terms of evenly matched teams, in terms of two balanced teams going at each other, I don't know that we've ever seen a matchup quite like this one in in the history of the college football playoff. This might be the national championship. You've also got the the number one and number two picks in the 2021 NFL draft going at it. Two quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields who have been linked together since 2016 uh, and will be linked, you know, if they both go on to success at the NFL level, they will be linked for the rest of their lives. So that's hyperbolic, but I believe <laughs> it to be true. No, seriously. So this is going to be an incredible football game. Absolutely incredible. We'll start with the injury report. There's not much here except for the fact that Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields admits that he's about 85% with a knee injury. Are you worried about Justin Fields? Oh, yeah. I mean, just the drop-off for either of these teams, if something happens to their quarterback, is is a concern when, you're, when the stakes are this high at this point in the season. And, uh, I mean particularly with Justin Fields in Ohio State and, and the fact that he does, 
he, he is asked to run the ball a, a bit more than uh, Trevor Lawrence is a good bit more. And so that, that, that is part of his game and him being a threat to run opens up so much for JK Dobbins. And even, I mean, just e- easy comparison is to last year and you'd see just the difference that having Justin Fields, e- even when Ohio state has a very good quarterback, just not also having that dynamic running threat, just, limits them so much more um and justin fields you know i (laughs) i was digging through stats today and like i knew like i've watched a lot of ohio state games this year so like i knew he had a good season but the totality of his production had not really like hit me on the chin yet and then i noticed 50 touchdowns he's accounted for this season and only one interception and he's averaging 9.6 yards per attempt. Like that is straight up elite. And I'd been thinking, Oh yeah, you know, kind of like, you know, running the ball, like, you know, kind of like a run first kind of game manager, like not, he's not that, but like, I don't know. I just had a little bit more of that vibe than I was expecting when I like looked at his, uh, the totality of his production. And I have, like a renewed sense of how key he is to this Ohio State team. So yeah, if he's not 100%, that's a a big concern. And we've seen him get binged up and leave games for plays or drives. Uh, So, you know, I guess if you're Ohio State, you're hoping that maybe a couple weeks off uh, did him some good and you don't have to deal with him sitting out a couple of plays during a key drive against Clemson. Yeah, you made a great point about last year, having Dwayne Haskins and, and J.K. Dobbins' average per carry drops off like three yards. So, you know, Fields has gone to the injury tin a lot. He has to stay healthy to win because I think if you're an Ohio State fan and you're you're a two-point underdog, you're banking on a few of your best plays being third and eight, third and long, obvious passing down for Ohio State. Everyone's covered and Justin Fields takes off. And if he can't do that, then they might be in for some trouble. Uh I just have to say, though, Connor, while you were talking, I was Googling Justin Fields' stats, and absolutely, like he's he's more than a game manager. I think next year he'll be the preseason Heisman front runner. Uh, th- these two quarterbacks, I hope everyone watching can just appreciate the historic level of how good they are. Like you talked about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence's stats. Like, tre- like let me read this out. You know, passing Justin Fields, forty touchdowns, one interception, nine point six yards per attempt. Uh, rushing uh, 10 touchdowns, an average of 3.8 yards on the ground. Trevor Lawrence, I think to people who haven't watched all of Clemson will surprise, will surprise people on Saturday with his running ability. Um, 5.3 yards a carry, seven touchdowns. He has been a threat in the zone read uh, RPO game. And that's going to be big against Chase Young because, you know, if, if Ohio State has a statue back there that they can go get after, they're going to get after him. But I think Ohio State's going to have to respect Trevor's legs a little bit. But through the air, we talked about the eight interceptions the first month and a half of the season. Hasn't thrown one since. Um, he's been insane. T-Law, 9.4 yards per attempt. This is, I mean, just, there's so much NFL talent all over the field. And, you know, we'll talk about Chase Young, too. And he's, you know, the number two or three pick in a few months, but God, these quarterbacks, it's hard not to just spend the whole podcast talking about them. Yeah. And when we talk about them being balanced, it's like, yes, they're good on offense and on defense, but even within offense and defense, both their rushing attack and their passing attack are both so good. Um, It's, 
it's really I, I don't know that I've ever like been getting ready for a game quite quite like this where the teams are just so so balanced in all phases of the game like you're kind of like looking for a weakness like oh maybe this is something they can exploit and there I just there isn't really one I mean so Trey and it's cliche it's terrible I'm tired of talking about it but like if there is one interesting difference between these two teams it is the quality of the opponents that they have played so far and like we know Clemson's players are good so it's not that we think that they're frauds, but like, do you think there is any chance like the difference in the caliber of opponent that these guys have experienced throughout the season has any impact on this game whatsoever? No. I mean, this, most, this is the same nucleus that it had no issue with Notre Dame or Alabama last year. I think the one level of, oh, I haven't seen someone like you before is going to be uh, when they – when, Chase when those Young. offensive tackles have yeah. to go against Chase Young. I think that's – and they go against Xavier Thomas in practice. Xavier Thomas is a top 15 pick uh, next year as well, or in two years as well. But, you know, no one's Chase Young. Uh, Sixteen and a half sacks, best defensive end in the last, you know, 10 years in college football. So I think that's going to be a big difference. And left tackle Jackson Carmen, he's a former five-star recruit. He's been up and down. He is from Ohio. There is – you know, there's been some bull, uh, billboard material and – uh, bulletin board material and, and Jackson Carmen kind of had some things to say when he left Ohio and signed with Clemson two years ago. So, you know, maybe they come after him a little bit extra. I think that's really the only, the only step up there. Uh, Clemson sees, you know, best on best in practice. And I don't think Clemson is going to be overwhelmed at all by, by any sort of talent on Ohio state's field. I mean, again, you know, they played Alabama last year and, and they, you know, thoroughly, thoroughly, you know, kicked their butt. Uh, I, that's I, it's fair. I mean, you're going to hear that. I I think one other thing you know, on the flip is the experience. Is Justin or you know Justin Fields? Does he have any nerves? Any jitters? It, he, I, we're only a few weeks away from saying Justin Fields and Ohio State hadn't been tested yet, and so they finally got tested against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Um, after being tested a bit against Penn State because of some fumbles, and then really kind of running away from Michigan, and I thought Ohio State responded great. Uh, against Wisconsin. I, I mean, we were spent half time saying, oh gosh, like, are we going to have Wisconsin in the playoff? Are we going to have a sort of debate here? And Ohio State just came out and played really a perfect second half of football. I think they're going to lean on that experience uh, playing Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game uh, to, to play against Clemson. But I don't know. Do, do you, uh, do, like, is that, if you're picking Ohio State, are you picking them because Clemson hasn't faced someone like them yet? No. I think I think for me it's just a little bit difficult to get a handle on exactly how good I think Clemson is given that their stats are kind of affected by the fact that they haven't played very many good teams if that makes sense. So like I, I don't think it's going to have any impact on the field in the moment during the game as you laid out like this team won a national championship a, a year ago. Like it, it, it knows what it's like to play in these big moments, and that kind of thing. So I, I, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think it's gonna play an impact on the game. Maybe, maybe there's like a couple seconds and or a, a couple drives or plays to start the game where, like, when you switch the difficulty of Madden up from like rookie to uh all pro or whatever and you're like oh, okay so like things move a little bit faster 
than what we kind of got used to. But these guys have been playing high level football for a long time. Like I, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be a thing. Right. And Trevor Lawrence has said, you know, offense is going to get beat by defense. Sometimes offensive line is going to get had by the defensive line. He knows that against Chase Young, he said it like his, his internal clock has to speed up a little bit. And he's been so good this year, uh, finding time in the pocket and, and rolling around and, and, you know, finding T Higgins and Justin Ross on the outside. So I think he knows those chances are going to be less and he has to get rid of the ball a little bit faster than usual. And I think Clemson's defense also knows, hey, we haven't seen many J.K. Dobbins, maybe ever. Probably not. Like, we haven't seen a Justin Fields either. So I think what that comes down to is making the most of your tackling opportunities. You cannot let J.K. Dobbins, you know, break one and two tackles on his runs. Like, you you have to get him down. Uh, you, you can't let Justin Fields turn third and 12 into a first down because of a broken scramble. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson, all everything, do everything, linebacker, rover, safety, is going to be the most important player on the field. He'll be spying Justin Fields. He'll be the first guy on the edge to meet J.K. Dobbins. He will be uh, matched up against Ohio State's two very uh, unique and good tight ends, Luke Farrell and, and Jeremy Ruckert. And then he will also find himself playing corner or nickel corner on a trio of Ohio State uh, – uh, not a trio, but a group of Ohio State receivers that – you know, don't look like T. Higgins or Justin Ross. They're not these big dudes, but they are deep threats and they're sort of H-back crosser route guys. K.J. Hill, Chris Olave, one of the best deep threats in football. Isaiah Simmons is going to be uh, face mask to face mask with just about every single player on Ohio State's offense. And if he rises to the occasion and plays like a top 10 pick, I think that's the most important key for Brent Venables' defense. I've got a take that I want to get on the record here. I don't I think there's a very small chance that we look back on this season and think we got it wrong uh naming Joe Burrow the Heisman winner. Very small chance. Very 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 small chance. But I am thinking about look kind of looking at what Justin Fields has done. If he just goes out of his mind during the playoff and Ohio State wins, we might end up with some like Deshaun Watson how did he not win a Heisman for that incredible national championship season vibes, even though like the incredible, most incredible part came during the, the postseason after the Heisman had already been given out. Um, so I don't know. I'm not necessarily predicting that um, like doing that against Clemson is going to be really ha- like having a, uh, we should rewrite history and retroactively give you the Heisman game against this Cle- Clemson defense is going to be unbelievably tough. But like if he does it, I mean, I, I, it just might. I think it might change the way we remember this season if if he just goes out of his mind. Yeah, I mean that's it's very possible, and especially if he got the chance to do that head to head against Joe Burrow. Yeah. Too uh, compared to Joe Burrow, plays a Heisman runner up as well in the Peach Bowl, but no one really thinks this is that big of a test for Joe Burrow. I just think like it's Lawrence versus Fields. It's crazy. Only one of these guys can win a Heisman. Like both are, you know, three and gone NFL players. It's getting, you know, best NFL draft class buzz at one and two since 2012 when it was Andrew Luck and RG three. And people are going to compare T-Law to Luck and, you know, Justin Fields, to RG three. And, and you never know how RG three would have panned out, had injuries and, you know, Washington Redskin uh, mismanagement, not, not done him in, but it's, I mean, one of these, like, so, 
we're going to be talking about one of these guys. I, I think your take it might be right, Connor. Like this is, it's the night game. It's the best game. It's the biggest game. Like whoever wins this game at quarterback is going to be the story of the week and maybe, you know, gets mentioned Saturday night as the best player in college football. All right. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, including painstakingly thorough previews of every single bowl game, although I say that, but we did, Trey, forget to do the Independence Bowl and the Quick Lane Bowl. So apologies to Louisiana Tech, Miami, Pittsburgh, and Eastern Michigan fans out there. Uh, clerical error. Uh, I'll, I'll take the charge on that one. But if you appreciate what we're doing, despite forgetting those games, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you when it's time to recap these uh, college football playoff semifinal games we just previewed for you. shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply